Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 27th, 2018. We have an eight-game slate and some pretty big injury news, so we have some value open up or opened up already open on the slate. Uh, first game is the Spurs at the Wizards. Lamarcus Aldridge has been playing very, very well recently, but his price is now all the way up to 9,200. So I just think it's a little bit too expensive to roster him. Uh, Dejounte Murray's down to 5,300. I'm gonna see what his minutes have looked like really quick. Uh, yeah, 35 minutes, 29, 29, 29 the last few games. I think Murray's a pretty good play at 5,300 overall for the year. He's scoring over a fantasy point per minute. Um, slightly below average matchup against the Wizards, and this should be a down pace game. But but still, I think 5,300 for somebody like Murray, we've seen have a lot of upside this year. I think that he makes for a decent play from the Wizards side of the game. Uh, they're priced down pretty far to face the Spurs, but I still don't really think that any of Otto Porter or Bradley Beal or Sadoransky make for a great place, just because it's going to be such a down pace game. The Spurs are such a good defense. Would you be willing to roster a Beal at 7,400 tomorrow, Matt? Because it is really cheap for him. I don't think so. He hasn't really even paid off that salary in good matchups recently. I don't like something's wrong with Beal, I think. I mean, maybe he's playing through an injury we don't know about. I guess it's possible it's just a random stretch of bad production, but I think his usage has been down. I'm just going to double-check that. His minutes yeah, aren't down. down. He's just not shooting as much, and I just don't think he's making as many shots. Yeah, his usage has been way down the last... I guess it's weird because John Wall's been out for quite a while, and Beal's usage was up for most of the time Wall was out, but the last couple of weeks it's just been down, so I don't really know what's going on there. Um, I, would, I would guess fatigue. Yeah, but this is this is by far the cheapest he's been. Uh, Beal's price hasn't been below eight thousand since January, and that was when Wall was playing. So, I mean, there is value in the price tag, but I, I think the matchup probably makes it not worth it. So maybe there are a couple guys to target from the Spurs side. Definitely not Aldridge at his price, but I think Murray and maybe even like Kyle Anderson. I don't know. There's not a lot of upside for him, but he's gotten a little cheap. Um, Pau Gasol is semi interesting. He hasn't played a ton lately, but he's below 5,000 now. And Gasol has been he was, priced. He was good last game. Yeah, he was really good in limited minutes, right? I don't think he played very much, but he was really efficient. Let's see. He played 24 minutes and scored 42 fantasy points. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to play half the game at 4,900 and the Wizards are bad, bad against centers, I guess Gasol isn't really a center. Um, but. I, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't play him. Look, he played 24 minutes last game, but the last time they played the Wizards, he only played 16 minutes. Just probably, I mean, it is the same team, so that's probably a good expectation for how much he plays. Yeah, I think there is a lot of upside for him if he happens to get the minutes because he's really good when he's on the court, but he usually doesn't play very much. So that's more of a boom-bust pick. I think Murray's safer, but both might be worth targeting, and I'd probably just fade the rest of the game. All right. Uh, the next game is the Denver Nuggets playing on the tail end of a back-to-back in Toronto. Uh, pretty tough spot for Denver just because Toronto has been so good lately. Uh, we've got Jamal Murray at 6,600. has been playing really, really well as of late and is playing a lot of minutes. So 6,600 I think is a pretty appealing price for him because he scored at least 33 fantasy points in, let's see, seven of his last eight games. So even in a tough matchup against Toronto, I think he'd be worth playing. He's also had a number of games in the 40s, so I think that there's upside for Murray at that price. Uh, Nobody else do I really want to roster from Denver. From the Toronto side of the game, uh, Kyle 
Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are at uh, 8200 for Lowry, 7600 for DeRozan. I always say this. The prices for these two guys go up and down, and I generally just prefer whichever one is the cheaper one. DeRozan, if you just look at the numbers, it looks like he's a tough matchup. That's because Gary Harris is one of the better perimeter defenders in the league. Gary Harris is out, so I think we kind of throw out some of those DVP numbers for Denver this year, and I think that DeRozan makes for a pretty decent target, 7,600. Lowry would still be, I guess, kind of fringy for cash games or whatever, but I I definitely prefer DeRozan. I generally tend to pick one of either Lowry or DeRozan. Uh, Do you see this game any differently? Well, I think there is a little bit of blowout risk here. The Raptors are nine-point favorites, and the Nuggets are playing on the tail end of a back-to-back on the road. They're falling out of the playoff race a little, and Jokic has had some games recently where his minutes are down. So maybe there's more risk for a blowout than most people think. But I do think the game is potentially stackable, or at least mini-stacks, with DeRozan and Jamal Murray. Uh, I agree with you that those are the top two targets for each team. I think I'd include Jokic for sort of game stacks, like if a lineup already has DeRozan and Murray in it, then I think I'd be more inclined to play Jokic. But I don't think it's really a great spot for him overall. His price is a little cheap at 8800 but it's not the best matchup. Uh, there's just all, there's always a lot of upside for Jokic, and I think he'll be pretty contrarian for this slate in sort of a tough matchup. Um, I'll say this again on Toronto. They're good defensively, but they also play fast, so it's not really that tough of a matchup. I think it's well. They are they are like top five or so at limiting fantasy points to every position. Yeah, I guess a lot of that tends to be I think because they win in blowouts, which isn't really <laughs> that. I guess that's still relevant here. Um, but I would think that the ceiling production that they can allow isn't is still like kind of high because the pace is there. Um, the Raptors win in blowout wins probably as often as any team in the NBA, with the exception of like maybe the Warriors or Rockets. So I think that would suppress a lot of the numbers. But if the game stays close, Jokic could have a huge game. So Murray and DeRozan, I think, are better plays, but I don't have a problem with Jokic either. All right, the next game on the slate, the Portland Trailblazers at the New Orleans Pelicans. We have some injury information here. That is the Pelicans, Nikola Mirotic and Rajon Rondo are both questionable to play. Uh, The game does start pretty close to lock, so... Maybe there is a better chance they'll get the information earlier from the Portland side of the game. Really good matchup because the Pelicans are playing a really fast pace and a really bad on defense. The issue I just have is the pricing here. Damian Lillard's only up to 9400 That's really expensive for him. There's also this chance every game that his girlfriend is going to go into labor and he's going to miss He's going to miss the game. Oh, so, she still yeah. hasn't had the baby yet? I forgot that that was still going on. This It's been like two weeks now, right? Uh, I think it's been since last Monday was the day that she was due. I'm going to check really quick if she had the... So it's over, it's the longest labor for anyone ever. And it's well, having... she's not, she hasn't been in labor for a week. She was, <laughs> she's been in labor for eight today. days now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's not an eight-day labor yet. She has not had... Uh, she's not had the baby yet, so that is still something to watch out for is that there's a chance that Damian Lillard doesn't end up playing. Uh, I'm not going to plan for that right now because it's, I don't know, it's just a goofy situation but I, I do think 9400 for Lillard is a little bit too expensive same with 7500 for McCollum even in a, a plus matchup I, I just think it's too much to pay for them from the Pelican side of the game like I said we have the injuries to Rondo and Miritich uh, if Rondo's out Ian Clark gets more playing time but I, still 3700 in a tough matchup I don't think he's a great play just because he doesn't do much per minute 
Czech Diallo would be interesting and potentially worth rostering. If Miritich is out, he scored 33 fantasy points last game in 25 minutes. A lot of it came in garbage time. But Diallo scores uh, 13 fantasy points. Uh, what is He's scoring uh, 11.5 fantasy points per game in 11 minutes this year. So it's more than more than a fantasy point per minute. So if we're going to say Diallo gets 25 minutes, he should hit value. Uh, but obviously he would only be a play if Miritich is out. And I would also expect him to be pretty chalky on the slate. Uh, Anthony Davis, I think, is a fine guy to pay up for at 11300 uh, How do you feel about the pricing for the Portland guys, Matt? I think McCollum might be a little more usable just with the possibility that Damian Lillard doesn't end up playing. Like maybe if you'd have McCollum 25%, just bump into like 35 or 40% because there's so much up, upside for him if Lillard ends up sitting. I guess I don't know how likely it is. But yeah, those are generally slightly expensive prices. It is a really good matchup though. Um, but I wouldn't really want to stack the game too much because there just aren't a lot of guys to use on New Orleans. Um, that would change though if Rondo and Meritich are out. So I'd be probably more inclined to go with Lillard or McCollum, lean towards McCollum with the uncertainty around Lillard, and then pair that with, I guess, Davis, and then probably Drew Holiday at 7,700, um, especially if Rondo's out, or maybe even only if Rondo's out, because Holiday gets a usage bump there. He he has the ball in his hands more when Rondo doesn't play. So even in a semi-tough matchup, that's a little cheap for Holiday. And that it kind of seems a little cheap for Anthony Davis. Um, he hasn't had one of those monster Anthony Davis games in a little while. Maybe the fatigue and the injuries have caught up with him, but he hasn't reached 60 fantasy points in two weeks now. Um, do you think that we should just generally expect less from him going forward, or it's kind of just an aberration? I think he's had a bunch of tough matchups off the top of my head. Yeah, I have it in front of me. So since... Since the last big game where he put up 67 fantasy points at home against the Hornets, he's played at the Spurs, home versus the Rockets, home versus the Celtics, home versus Dallas. That game was sort of a blowout. I think he sat the last couple of minutes. Um, home versus Indiana. He had close to 60 in that game. Too, is that there was a stretch where they played three, three games in a row. Right. And so it's, the, not like, it's not like he was that bad. He scored 57, 54, 58, and 56 fantasy points. Right, and then there was a game at Houston. So, yeah, in the last seven games, it basically has been four really tough matchups, and the other three games all came on a back-to-back-to-back. So it's it hasn't been the best circumstances for him. This will be a game after two full days off. So it actually, I think Anthony Davis is a really good play because people might be forgetting just how big his upside is, and he's gotten a little bit cheaper because of all of these slightly bad games at least for him and he's he's been right around hitting value in all of them um he always has the potential for like 75 plus fantasy points i would say he probably is the best player to pay up for on the slate yeah i'm just looking through the other games really quick uh i guess the only other guy who would really be in the discussion because there's only two really expensive guys it would be him versus lebron and I guess we'll get to that one next, right? That's the uh, next game to talk about, or we got one more first? No, one more before then, because I do think we have an interesting thing to talk about here, and that is the Chicago Bulls playing at the Houston Rockets. James Harden and Clint Capella are both being arrested for this game. Despite that, the Houston Rockets are favored by 17.5 points over the Bulls. Yeah, that, so, that's quite a... Oh, my God. I, I haven't seen the spread yet. Yeah, to the, this line probably would be about like 23 to 25 if the Rockets were at full strength which makes sense because the Bulls have no players right now. And not only the Bulls have no players, but Laurie Markkinen is also questionable to play. He came back for one game and then got injured again. So 
the Bulls are just playing such just garbage players. They shine. They signed Sean Kilpatrick to a $2.1 million deal to play the, the last nine games of the season for them to get over the salary cap floor. So th- that means that they're paying Sean Kilpatrick the equivalent of $19.1 million for a full season. So that is very ridiculous. But it's I, I look at this Bulls roster right now with the blowout risk and all the guys they're giving minutes to. I, I It's impossible to figure out what the playing time allotment is going to look like. So I don't really think there's anybody that's a particularly strong play from the Bulls side of the game. And then from the Rockets side of the game, so Harden's out. That means Chris Paul, 8,100, really strong play. A lot of usage for him, uh, bigger playmaking responsibility. But the question here is, how do you leverage that against the ridiculous blowout risk of 17.5 points? Because I think it's very likely Chris Paul doesn't play in the fourth quarter. If this isn't a close game, they're just going to hold Chris Paul like 20 minutes. So for cash games, I think you have to play Chris Paul just because of the value on his price tag. But I, I think there's merit to going underweight on him in GPPs. I wouldn't call him a fade. I, I wouldn't be comfortable putting them in all of my lineups when they're favored by 17 and a half points. Uh, I would also think there's pricing value on guys like Gerald Green. Uh, Tarek Black, I think, is a pretty good play at 3,000. He should play extra minutes with Capella out. But how do you how do you feel about the blowout risk in this game? Well, I think the spread is definitely inflated, just looking at it again, because Capella being out too, it makes, it makes the Rockets a lot worse of a team. Like, they're definitely still way better than the Bulls, and double digits is definitely reasonable, but this spread might be a little too high. And even if it's a blowout, Chris Paul probably doesn't play anything less than like 25 minutes. I mean, he's not going to sit, he's not going to come out of the game at halftime. So maybe he plays like 16 to 18 minutes in the first half and he plays eight to 10 minutes in the third quarter and then that's it. But if the Rockets are up 25 points at that time, Paul probably did a lot to get them there. Like, I, I don't really see Paul his floor being that low, even if they win by a lot. Because at 8,100, he only needs like 40 or so fantasy points to hit value. And I think he does that in 20 minutes or 25 minutes, probably in such an easy matchup with Harden not there. Um, I guess not having Capella hurts Paul's potential production a little bit, but that's probably not too relevant. It's it, the boost without Harden is more than enough to make up for any lack of, well, anything else. So I think the ceiling is just so high because this game could stay close. Um, I wouldn't want to stack it because like figuring out who's going to play for the Bulls is just, it's just impossible. I mean, we, we just, we could name 10 guys that all might have big games, but they're all like, they're all semi expensive outside of Sean Kilpatrick. Like the Bulls don't really have another player below 4,000. So I think I would still use Paul Green, Eric Gordon, not so much Eric Gordon, but have some Rockets exposure, definitely Tarek Black, and just use them together and hope the game stays reasonably close. But even if it doesn't, I think all those guys should still do well enough where it's worth having, I think, more of them in the field. But yeah, I wouldn't want to have them in all my lineups. See, I think I would... Well, here's what's, here's what's hard to say, is that we don't know what the ownership is going to be for these guys. Yeah, I th- Chris Paul will be really, really highly owned, but I don't think anyone else really will be. But if Chris Paul is going to be, I, I guess he could be close to 50% in GPPs. Uh, I, I guess maybe I would try to align myself with the field with him. Yeah, I, I think that's I, reasonable. I do still think that there is, uh, like, I don't think he's a slam dunk in value with, in a game that is a 17.5 point 
point spread, even if we think it's too high, like if it's ridiculously off, then we say what Houston should be favored by fourteen. Yeah, I think I think sure. I would probably guess the spread should be in the thirteen to fifteen range. And that's still a fair amount of blowout risk. Yeah, I no, I think it, it's reasonable to probably have about the same amount of crisp balls in the field. I think half your lineups makes more sense. And I think it also makes more sense. I guess we don't usually mention FanDuel much, but the other Rockets players are much cheaper on FanDuel. So using less of Chris Paul there, where he's roughly the same price, and more of guys like Gerald Green and Eric Gordon on FanDuel who are much cheaper than they are on DraftKings, I think that's a strategy that would make sense. Um, But you definitely don't want to completely fade Chris Paul because a dud for him still might be 45 fantasy points. Well, I wouldn't call 45 fantasy points a dud. I mean like a a blowout where he only plays 25 minutes. I think like, I don't know. I think 45 fantasy points would probably be slightly disappointing considering the circumstances. Like I think he could get to the fifties or sixties if the game stays close fairly easily. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think I, I just think that there is a really good chance that cause the, the, the rocks are not playing for anything now. If this game is remotely out of hand and Chris Paul's also coming back from injury, he hasn't played in a week. Like, I think, I definitely think that we could see 20 or so minutes only from Chris Paul in this game. Well, if you're pivoting off of Chris Paul, then I think it makes more sense. Well, I think it makes sense to have more of Gerald Green because he's kind of the perfect garbage time player. Like, the Rockets aren't going to care if he just is hoisting every shot in the fourth quarter when the game's out of hand. And at 4,700, he probably hits value just in regular time anyway before garbage time. Um, Gerald Green had a huge game last game in a similar situation where they were home against the Hawks. Harden played and Paul didn't. I think he was around 40 fantasy points in that one. He's gotten a little pricier, but I I think he's a better play than Chris Paul is relative to his price. Uh, This is also a better spot for Gerald Green tonight than last game because he benefits more from Harden being out than from Chris Paul just because Harden uses more usage. Uh, So... All right, I think we've exhausted that game. Yeah, uh, no one on the Bulls. Let's just uh, clarify that. The Bulls are terrible, and even if the game's close, I don't really think we can count on anyone to reliably hit value. Uh, next game is the Cleveland Cavaliers at the Miami Heat. Uh, the Cavs have everybody healthy now. Larry Nance Jr. is back, and I think he is starting tomorrow. Uh, I have to, yeah, he he started last game. He's expected to start tomorrow. Both him and Kevin Love? Is that what's going on? Yes. So I think that Nance at 5,100 is a pretty good play, assuming he's starting. Uh, There is less for him to do on offense with Kevin Love there, except let's not forget that he was starting at in the mid 7,000s just a couple weeks ago before the injury. So 5,100, I think there's a good amount of upside for Larry Nance. Uh, LeBron, I definitely think is worth rostering because of how good he's been lately, but I, I do prefer Anthony Davis between the two of them. Uh, the Miami side of the game, Dwayne Wade came back last game, so that cuts into the minutes of guys like Wayne Ellington, uh, Tyler Johnson. In the front court, Kelly Olynyk's been playing a lot of minutes recently, except the price all the way up to 6700 Same with James Johnson, his price stop. Uh, it's a really good matchup against the Cavs, but I don't really look at anybody as having a lot of pricing value. Yeah, I think this game is probably going to end up being a fade for me outside of potentially Larry Nance if he's starting. Uh, the opening total for the game is only 218.5. So I, I, I'm i not sure what's going on there. That number seems a bit low because with Whiteside out and with Kevin Love back, it should be a higher scoring game than normal for these two teams. 
And I think Whiteside is almost definitely out. So that's a little bit strange. I would guess the total goes up here from the 218 and a half. But even so, Anthony Davis is just a better play than LeBron, I think. Um, Kevin Love being back definitely hurts LeBron a little bit. It's a much worse matchup. Uh, I guess it's Anthony Davis has a reasonably tough matchup too, but he's also at home uh, playing in Miami, even without Whiteside. It's definitely a negative matchup though. And Anthony Davis is cheaper than LeBron. So just because of Davis being in a better spot for a better price, I think I'll have very little of LeBron. And that kind of just leaves Larry Nance as the only potential play. But yeah, I think he has to be starting to be worth using. Yeah. And I mean, he started last game, so I think he'll, I think he'll start again. Uh, let's see. Next game is the Dallas Mavericks at the Sacramento Kings. From the Mavericks side of the game, they've kind of been doing a goofy thing where it looks like they're going to be alternating games for Salo, Mejri, and Nerlens Noel. Mejri rested last game, and Noel played, so I would think that means that Mejri plays this game, and Noel sits. Uh, so, for the Mavericks, uh, Dirk is expected to play. He's been dealing with knee soreness, and then we have Dwight Powell is questionable also with knee soreness. So I think this could be a spot where Mejri makes for a good punt play. If either Dirk or Pal end up sitting and assuming that Noel doesn't play also, I think Mejri would be looking at a pretty significant amount of minutes. Uh, we also have Harrison Barnes, 6,300. I think that's just kind of fair. I think Dennis Smith Jr. is worth rostering at 6,700 just because he sees the most consistent minutes of anybody from Dallas. From the Kings side of the game, the, the Kings minutes are so ridiculously impossible to figure out that I... I don't know what to like I don't know who to target and feel confident in from their team. The minutes are all over the place every game. There's no consistency. There's certainly times that Buddy Heald, De'Aaron Fox, Scow, Willie Cauley Stein, any of these guys could have a big game, but I think that's a big enough slate where we don't have to try to guess which one it is. Would you be willing to roster any Kings players on a slate this big or even at all for the rest of the season? Uh, well, Scal would be the one guy, but his price has gone up to 5300 so I think I'm off him. Cauley Stein would maybe be worth taking a shot on, but he's not that cheap either. So, yeah, I think I'm with you that the Kings aren't really worth rostering. Maybe there's a good amount of upside for De'Aaron Fox <clears throat> um, at 5000 I think I think Fox would be the guy that I'd be most willing to take the risk with. He usually plays at least a decent amount of minutes, and he's now cheaper than basically everyone else in the starting lineup. Well, so. Here's his minutes from the last four games. 27 minutes, 31 minutes, 19 minutes, and 26 minutes. Yeah, I guess there's the upside for him to play 30 and at 5,000, which is a little cheaper than what he's been in a good matchup. I'd be fine with him. But yeah, the, the Kings are definitely tough. Um, there's a boost to Dennis Smith Jr. also with J.J. Barea out for this game. So I think he actually is a really good play. And I guess, I, would you use guys like Mejri or Kleber or anyone else in the Dallas front court if we know that Dirk and Powell and Noel are in playing? Well, I think if any of, like, if I think if Noel and, like, Powell are both out, like, Dirk doesn't play 30 minutes a game. So, by default, we're going to be seeing at least like, what, 25 or so minutes from Salah Mejri, and he scores over a fantasy point per minute. I when was the last time Mejri played 25 minutes? Because I'm looking at it. Uh, <laughs> I have it for you if you want me to just tell you when it was. I don't think it's ever. He did uh, no November 7th, the only time this season. Yeah. Uh, the, the difference is that he could potentially end up starting at center for the Mavericks tomorrow. 
Right. He has not that, that, uh, I think that was the only game he started. No, he started the game before that actually, but Mejri also, I think he's one of those players that sometimes will start and just play 10 minutes. Like they, the Mavericks do that a lot. Um, Mejri has had games where he's played single digit minutes like all year, but I get, I guess there's upside for his price, but I'd also much rather roster Tarek Black at the same price. So I, I don't think I'd use much Mejri just because of that. Well, it's also circumstantial. So, like, I'm not if, – if Noel and Powell and Dirk are all playing, I wouldn't want to roster Mejri. But if a couple of those guys are out, then Mejri at 3,100, I, I think it's reasonable to think that he ends up playing 25 or so minutes. And if he's playing 25 minutes in this matchup, I'm going to expect 25 to 30 fantasy points from him. Yeah, I guess if we know for sure that all those guys are at him with you, I guess I, I'm not optimistic that we will know. But that does seem that does seem reasonable. Uh, I don't think I would roster anyone else in the Dallas front court, though. Like they could just play smaller lineups and go with like Doug McDermott at power forward or something, or even Harrison Barnes at power forward. But Dennis Smith Jr. and potentially Measury, I think those guys would be good plays. All right, the next game here: the Milwaukee Bucks at the LA Clippers. From the Bucks side of the game, pretty cheap for Giannis in a plus matchup. I like him at ten thousand three hundred. Uh, Middleton and Bledsoe still a little bit priced up from when Giannis was out. So I think we could stay away from them. Just, just Giannis for me from the Bucks. from the Clippers side of the game. A lot of these guys have just gotten really expensive. Now we've got Jordan at 8,000. I, it, it, I, I think that Deandre Jordan will probably be pretty chalky in this spot. He played against the Bucks last week and was pretty chalky and scored 56 fantasy points against them. But 8,000, I think, is just probably a little bit too much for me. Uh, I wouldn't say DeAndre Jordan's a fade. I think he's worth being in the player pool, but he wouldn't be a primary target for me. Um, nobody else do I really want to roster from the Clippers. The only guy who could potentially be interesting is Ty Wallace rejoined the team, and he's at mid-price. So Ty Wallace was starting for the Clippers right before – his uh, 10-day contract, or what was it? He was on a two-way contract, and he ran out of days. So he went down to the G League. If Ty Wallace starts again, I think he's a good play. Because overall, as a starter this year, he's playing 34 minutes per game, scoring 23 fantasy points. So I think there is potential for him to enter the starting lineup and be a good value play. Uh, outside of that, I nothing else I really want to roster. Yeah, I don't really disagree with any of that. So I guess I'll just ask you, for the similar prices how would you sort of organize Ty Wallace, Mejri, and Tyreek Black? Like, would you play two of those guys or even three of them in the same lineup and then just go with, like, a really extreme stars and scrubs, assuming that we have the proper updates on Mejri and that Ty Wallace is starting? It's hard to say because, I mean, yeah, if all those guys are in the ideal situations and they're all really good value plays, then it makes sense to go stars and scrubs. Uh, I think more so, though, you're just kind of hoping that one of those guys ends up being in a really good spot, which I, I think that that's fairly likely that one of them ends up being a really good value play. Probably not all three though. Yeah. And then uh, the Deandre Jordan thing is tough. Like I would definitely rather pay the same amount for Chris Paul. And I might even say like DeMar DeRozan is a better play for a similar price, or maybe even Jokic is a better play for a similar price. And I'd probably go with Deandre over Jokic, but he's definitely going to have the ownership after yeah, obliterating the Bucks in a similar matchup. Well, the same team, so it's the same matchup. And this is a home game, and it's only $400 more expensive. So he should do well. And I guess maybe it helped him last game that Giannis got hurt, 
did he have most of his production in the first half or the second half of that game? Do you remember? The first quarter. Right, right. It was the yeah. He did everything in the first quarter. Giannis was in for that, so that's yeah. You can disregard that part. I don't know. Sometimes players just have really good first quarters, and it's not predictive for the next game. So I have no problem just having some DeAndre Jordan, but not having a lot of him because I think he will be popular, and he makes for a pretty good fade target. Um, do you think DeAndre or Chris Paul will have more ownership, or they'll just both be a lot and it'll be similar? Uh, it'll be Chris Paul. Yeah, I think so too. But those could be the two highest owned players. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot more pricing value on Chris Paul. So I think Chris Paul is the much better play than DeAndre Jordan. Uh, let's see. Final game on the slate is the Indiana Pacers at the Golden State Warriors. This could be an under-the-radar really good matchup for the Pacers because for the Warriors, Draymond Green's questionable play with an illness. The other stars are all out. So this is just a really shitty Warriors team that they're throwing out. If all those guys aren't going to be able to play, like I think Oladipo at 8,300 is a much better play than DeAndre Jordan at 8,000. I think Miles Turner at 6,500 would be another really strong play. Uh, but this is dependent on Draymond Green being out because if if Green plays in the Warriors, I mean he's the best he's the best defensive player on the Warriors, so that helps their defense a lot. If he's out, then I mean we're looking at a Kevon Looney and Javale McGee starting a front court potentially. So. I just think this is one where we have to pay attention to the injury news. The The Warriors are usually pretty good at giving updates early in the day. The only reason that I think that we might not get it for this one is because Draymond Green isn't dealing with, uh, like, a knee soreness. He's not dealing with when he got kicked in the balls the other day. He's sick. He has an illness. So this might be a thing where they just wait until before the game to see, is he feeling well enough to play, which I think is probably pretty reasonable. If we find out that Green is playing, I think he's a another good target at 8,400. If he's out, then I think we could look at uh, Looney's all the way up to 4,600. I think I don't want to pay 4,600 for Kevon Looney. Uh, Patrick McCaw at 3,000. If he starts again, he played 33 minutes last game. He's been terrible this year, but you know who else was terrible this year until he wasn't? Quinn Cook. And now Quinn Cook is 6,000. If Patrick McCaw is going to play over 30 minutes at 3,000, I think that he's fine to roster. He scores about with 10 fantasy points per game in 16 minutes this year. So if we put him at over 30 minutes uh, and then plus more usage because all the stars are out, I think we could probably get 25 or so fantasy points from McCaw. So I think that he's a fine play. I think there's potential for a lot of good cheap plays, which is just something that happens a lot this time of year where there's a lot of resting guys out. So what do you think of this game, Matt? Well, the Quinn Cook thing is just particularly annoying to me personally because I used Quinn Cook when he was min-price against the Spurs and the Blazers, which was right before Curry was out. Or I think Curry had already been out, but that was right before Durant got hurt. Um, that was when he was coming off the bench. I think he did start one of those games. And in 52 total minutes across those two games at min-price, he scored 13.5 fantasy points. And then all of a sudden, he's like one of the best point guards in the league fantasy-wise. He's averaging like 40 fantasy points a game in the last five. So Quinn Cook is very annoying, but I'm definitely not paying 5,900 for him. Um, yeah. The only Warriors guy that I would want to roster is probably Patrick McCall. And then I guess Draymond, if he's playing the issue with the Pacer side, I think is that the Warriors are a much slower team without Curry. And then just, there probably is blowout risk. If Draymond green isn't playing like the, the jazz were nine point favorites in Golden State, their last game, when the Warriors were missing all their players, the Pacers will probably be like six or seven point favorites. But I think those numbers are too low. Like this Warriors team without 
Durant, Curry, Clay, and Draymond is as bad as like the Suns or the Kings or maybe even worse. Like they they lost to the Kings at home with Draymond Green. It's a, it's a really awful team. So I don't know the, the the slow pace and potential blowout. Like I think Oladipo would be a low owned potentially high upside pick, but I I don't know. I, I such a, it's just such an easy matchup without Green there. Yeah, but Green being there also maybe keeps the pace up a bit and keeps the game closer. Um, I think I would roster Draymond and Oladipo together if Green is playing, and I guess I'd have some Oladipo either way. But yeah, that um, I, it's just hard to know what this Warriors team looks like without all these guys playing. Like we've only seen it for a couple of games, and it looks really awful. Uh, but there is potential for them to just be really, really bad defensively, and for other teams to do well against them every game. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of slow-paced teams that are just good to target from from a fantasy perspective. So we have, like, I think the Bulls play one of the slower paces in the league, and they and give up. Grizzlies, too. Yeah, they're just bad at defense. So let's, what are some of the really slow paces? The Sac- Kings Sacramento, and Mavericks? Sacramento plays the second slowest pace in the league. Yeah, and they just are awful at defense, so I guess it's still worth using players against them. Yeah, like, is going to be guarded by Nick Young for the starters' minutes. It's a lot better of a matchup than you usually get against the Warriors. So, yeah, if, if Draymond Green's out, I, I do like the Pacer side of the game a lot, but just really Oladipo and Turner. And the other thing also is that Sabonis is questionable to play. Uh, Sabonis is somebody who every once in a while he comes in off the bench. Sabonis is good. He plays really well, and he takes minutes away from Miles Turner. If Sabonis is out, then the minutes for Turner are a lot more secure. Yeah, that's definitely true, and it might even make someone like Trevor Booker a decent value play. Um, this could be a very strange slate. Like, if we get the right situations for all of the min-price guys, like Tarek Black, Salamedri, um, Patrick McCaw, Trevor Booker, and then who's the other one that we were talking about? There's another min-price player. I can't remember. There's just been so many. But, like, it could be conceivably doable to use, I guess, like Davis, LeBron, and Giannis in the same lineup. Is that something you would ever consider doing if there's enough good value for min-price players? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, how much... Uh, I, I don't know if that's even possible. Like, what, uh, if we put all of them, this will be the final thing we look at. I think we... you literally need every other player to be exactly 3,000. Oh, and Ty Wallace was the other guy. Okay, Ty Wallace. So what is the, no, here's why I wouldn't, here's why I wouldn't want to do it. Like, I still would want to have, like, Chris Paul in some lineups. Um, yeah, I there guess, are other good like, plays if... that aren't min or max price. Yeah, the issue I have with doing it is there's a lot of good plays in the eight thousand, and you're just in the eight thousand range. You're just kind of ignoring all of them if you're making lineups with Davis, LeBron, and Giannis together. You have if you put those three together, you have an average of thirty uh, thirty three hundred dollars for your last six spots. So it's doable so, for sure. <laughs> We've named yeah. five players at that price or less that are worth using potentially. Yeah, it's fine. Probably not. Probably not. Well, yeah, all of the situations would have to break right, so it's it's not that likely of a scenario. All right, so that's going to finish today's podcast. You follow me on Twitter at GRMBerdFS. Matt Strandall is at Preaching Sense, and we'll be back for tomorrow's slate.